Welcome, you're now listening to episode 116 from The Shed End. As always, myself, Theo. And as you can see, the other Theo has returned. Um, he's back this week. Theo, how are you doing? Not bad, thanks. A bit tired. Um, had a driving lesson at 6am this morning. I'm not going to be making that mistake again of doing it before before a work day. Um, yeah, so it meant waking up at 4.30am to get to Clapham, Clapham Junction. Um, <laughs> Don't do roads were empty. <laughs> no, roads were empty. Um, but yeah, the test is fast approaching. So feeling a bit knackered now. Um, but hopefully I'll be a bit more re-energised because uh, I'm filling in my mates um, five-a-side football team tonight in East London. Um, so yeah, I'm going to need a couple of coffees or Red Bull to power me throughout the day. Um, but yeah, otherwise I'm, I'm not bad. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Um, not bad actually. Yeah, I'm good. It's been a good productive week. Kids have been off. Half terms finished, so it's back to normal. Um, and yeah, I'm just good, man. Just like you've got football later. I've got my eight-a-side match, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, put in another defensive masterclass like Tassazi hopefully but um, yeah just before we move on I mean the, the the driving lessons as well I mean there's probably a good thing to do driving lessons early in the morning late at night and in the day because you get a, a mixture of you know different times isn't it so it's probably it's probably as much as the 4.30 is probably killing you right now it's probably good for you to do that because um, it's always good to just try and drive in different times of the day to understand what the difference of the, the roads are like if that makes sense but before we get into this episode please go and subscribe to the channel make sure you go to the link tree link in the description and subscribe to those social accounts that you'll see if you click that link uh, make sure you like this video as well and if you're listening on the audio again we appreciate everything that you're doing on there so again if you're not follow on the audio version of the podcast but reason for you being missing last week Theo you got a good opportunity to go and see um, a Chelsea documentary which is in the pipeline to be released hopefully very soon um, just give the viewers the listeners a bit more about that what, what's it all about and um, how did you get involved in it as well yeah, so I think it must have been September last year. So about um, five, six months ago, I was just on my way to work at the bus stop. Um, I kind of live just like around Stamford Bridge in that area. Um, so they must have been putting these little leaflets around bus stops in the area. And I saw an ad um, that said something along the lines of, we're looking for passionate um, Chelsea fans to feature in an upcoming um, documentary or project about the club. Um, if, you're, if you're one of the you know, Chelsea fans, please get in touch by contacting this email address. I didn't really think much about it at the time, but I just took a picture of it because my bus was arriving, um, getting to the office and my work there was quite quiet. Um, so drafted a quick email to them um, explaining who I, who I was, why I support Chelsea and why I consider myself a Chelsea super fan or very passionate about the club. I don't think I heard back from them for a couple of days and then they reached out saying they really liked the look of my profile um, and they'd love to schedule a Zoom uh, call to kind of learn more about, about me and interview me with a couple more questions. We scheduled that um, and then uh, answered a few of their questions on um, on the call. And then I think it was about November time um, they wanted to interview me in person with cameras. Um, I think we initially agreed on location being a pub near Stamford Bridge, but things changed on the day um, and we ended up doing it in my home, um, which I was not expecting. Uh, having a whole fil- film crew just show up to my house with professional lighting, cameras, mics, everything. Um, had to move all the furniture around as well to give me the space and have the correct lighting, um, which was a bit of a surreal experience, actually. Well, I just looked around and saw these um, a whole film crew in my living room and kitchen. But yeah, we got to kind of ask, um, they asked me a couple of questions. I think the main kind of gist of, of the project or documentary is um, interviewing Chelsea fans and understanding their story. So you don't really want to know so much about the history of the club, the players, but it's more of the Chelsea fans themselves, their match day routines, their rituals, why they kind of consider themselves the um, Chelsea super fans, um, their kind of favourite bit of Chelsea memorabilia, um, uh, core Chelsea memories of theirs. And then, uh, yes, we filmed that. And then last week they invited me to a pub, um, having people know about it, the Wolf Pack, which I think is um, just um, near Fulham Broadway, um, to show me the sizzle reel, um, which is almost like a bit of a trailer to what to expect from the project. So it was about a four or five minute trailer and I do feature quite a bit in it. Um, and from that trailer, they're going to pitch it to kind of some of the large um, uh, film production companies. And they mentioned some big directors. I can't give too much away, um, but some big directors that have done documentaries on sports documentaries on Amazon Prime, a video on Netflix, and even to the club itself. Um, so, yeah, it's really exciting and it looks very, very professional and well done. And I'm sure that if it kind of gets bought by someone to kind of um, 
make it uh, into a proper, proper th- documentary, um, whether that be a feature film or a six part docu- episode, a documentary. And I'm sure there'll be some more interviews and more footage of me. Um, but yeah, really exciting documentary. And I'm sure I'll be posting more about it on my socials and the Shed End social as well when I hear more about it. Yeah, definitely something worth checking out if you haven't already. Um, it's, I think the, um, the Twitter is the bridge film. So if you just search the bridge, the underscore bridge underscore film, um, you should be able to find them on there. Um, and, and yeah, it's definitely something that I think has probably been needed for Chelsea fans as well, because, you know, a lot of, you, you see a lot of now where you see, you know, the Sunderland one, I think on, uh, Netflix and Newcastle have had one, Arsenal have had one previously, um, where it kind of goes behind the scenes with the players, but you don't necessarily get one from a fan's perspective of, you know, match, match day going fans or fans that don't go to the matches as much or just Chelsea fans in general. You don't really, you don't really see it from there from a fan's lens perspective. So I think it'd be good to hopefully see this, um, you know, go, if not beyond just the internet into, you know, Netflix, Amazon or somewhere like that. Um, I think it'd be good, you know, and it's something that I think, you know, I've seen glimpses of it and as you know, already, you know, sort of was speaking to them as well. It'll be good. I think it'd be good for any Chelsea fan to see this and it will show, take away some of that stigma that from the eighties, you know, the nineties of the Chelsea fans and how they are, and what they try to represent then and what Chelsea fans are now as well. I think it'll give a, a good light on the club as well. Yeah, definitely. And when I got invited to the pub with it a week, a week ago on Friday, um, I wasn't the only one who was invited. There was a few other people that featured are going to feature in the documentary of the project and kind of all ages or kind of groups. Like there was a, a couple, they must have been in their 60s or 70s. There was a young boy who was only about 10 or 11, I think. Mm. Um, there was a kind of an older um, guy who... Um, I think um, Chelsea fans will know him because he goes around Stamford Bridge in a, one of those disabled scooters. Um, and I think he goes by a certain name that kind of links him to that. Um, so yeah, there was a, definitely a kind of a, a very diverse group of kind of ages um, represented in the documentary. And uh, I'm, you know all about it because they, they interviewed you as well via Zoom. Um, I've got my friend who lives out in Belgium. He's originally Brazilian and they interviewed him as well. So I think they want a lot of different perspectives. Um, people abroad, people living around Stamford Bridge, people living in the UK. Um, but yeah, it's definitely very exciting. Um, and it's like you said, I think it's something that's needed for the club now to kind of bring the fans closer to the club and kind of understand their stories and understanding where that passion and kind of hunger to support Chelsea comes from. Yeah, definitely 100%. So keep your ears peeled. We'll drop a link to um, the social account for the Bridge film so you can just follow them. Um, it should be definitely worth checking out, giving them a follow, and then hopefully some more information comes out about that in the next couple of weeks or months or so. Um, but let's move back to the, the Premier League. Let's move back to the two performances that we've had since we've last recorded. Crystal Palace uh, a week ago today on Monday as we were recording. Um, let's start with that game first. But it was a game of two halves, really. It was almost the old the, the 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 Chelsea that we know, who doesn't really know how to take their chances, or we create chances but we don't really take them. And in the second half, we kind of switched things on, made a couple of good substitutions as well during the game. But what was your thoughts against uh, Crystal Palace on Selhurst last Monday? Well, yes, remember we we've got a winning streak um, against Crystal Palace that runs from I think March 2018 up to now, and our last defeat against them was in October 2017. So, if there's one team that absolutely hate playing Chelsea, no matter their form, it's um, Crystal Palace. Um, so, yeah, I was still kind of nervous, um, especially given that first half, because, like you said, it was a game of two halves. That first half was absolutely dire. Um, it, they just lacked tempo. It felt like we were just happy to pass the ball in our own half and not really do much with the possession we had. Um, I don't think we registered a single shot on target in that first half, um, in fact. Um, And then Crystal Palace, it was a brilliant goal, but it was kind of created by our our own kind of um, unforced errors in Madueke, kind of carelessly giving the ball away when he should have been clearing his lines and then taking nothing away from the finish. It was fantastic by uh, Jefferson Lama, I think his name is, who curled it in uh, to the top right corner. Um, but yeah, really awful um, first half. Um, second half, we seem to kind of tweak something. We kind of understood what the game plan was. And I think within a minute or two of the second half, we scored through Conor Gallagher. I don't know if that was because of that kind of prolonged uh, halftime break where the ref was trying to sort out his microphone or his kind of um, communication device. But it felt like Chelsea were ready for that second half and where Crystal Palace was still in the changing rooms. Um, but yeah, 
um, take nothing away from Colin Gallagher's um, performance and finishes for both goals, in fact, because they were great. He kind of lurked into the penalty box when he needed and two very good finishes. I think there was some crazy statistic that he covered 13 kilometers yeah. throughout that game. Um, so he really literally covered almost every single blade of grass. And I go running quite regularly and 13 kilometers, that's like from where I live to House of Parliament and back in a way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he must have literally been all over that pitch and um, he's like a, an engine. So yeah, he was definitely my man of the match for that game. And then, um, yeah, we kind of kept left it late with two second goals, uh, to the second and the third goal from Gallagher and Enzo. Um, but yeah, I think it's what we've been lacking a lot recently this season is our midfielders contributing to goals. And that's what we saw in that game against Palace, um, Gallagher getting two and Enzo getting one. We saw it again at Villa Park, which I didn't get a chance to talk about, but our midfielders, again, contribu- contributing with goals. And if we can get those the Caicedos, the Gallagher's, the, the Enzo Fernandez's, the Lavia's and Uguchukus when they're back to contribute with goals and hopefully Cassidy, if he features more, that'll re- put a, less, a bit less pressure on the Nkukus, the Jacksons, the Starlings, the Palmers. But hopefully that's what we need because we've been so used in the past to our midfield players contributing with goals when we had Lampard when we had even Jorginho, even though they were penalties, they were still contributing with goals. And back in the day, Fabregas as well, SCN, these type of players. So yeah, I think um, really kind of um, second half was very, a um, um, lot of kind of positives to take away from it. First half was the first half to forget. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting because I think Maurizio Pochettino going into that game didn't really change too much. I think from that Villa, Villa lineup, if I remember correctly, it was almost... I think it was, was it the one change that he made? I think in that, I can't remember where it was, whether it was in defence now, but... It's silver for Badger Shill, I think. Silver yeah. for wasn't it? So um, going into that game, I think me and Eunice spoke about it on, on the last episode, but we're going into that game, we automatically wanted a win. We were, we were saying there's no way we can lose to this Palace team. I think they had Eze out, um, Elise, Elise was out Gu- as well. Guehi, Guehi was, was out. out. So yeah. there was three key players for Palace. I know they still had Mateta and... Uh, Jefferson Lerm, like you said, Hughes in midfield, forward and but we couldn't go into that game and and lose it. I, it was just it was just no way. You said I think twenty seventeen was our last defeat against Palace, but it just seems like something wasn't working in that first half. And I, I, again, like you said, you know I don't know if it was the delay to the referee or just something that was said at half time, but it just sparked something in the team for me going forward. It was interesting again because obviously in the Villa game and the Palace game we got to see Nicholas Jackson the, the the left wing and Cole Palmer was almost playing as that sort of lone sort of false nine if you want to call it that and it kind of worked it worked very well um, we'll get onto the City game in a minute but it worked really well against Palace it feels like that's more of a role now I would see Nicholas Jackson possibly trying to occupy we've spoken about Mudrick on here quite a bit about he hasn't really pulled up trees he hasn't really done what we expected him to do but there does seem to be a role for Nicholas Jackson on that left side is that something you want to see more of do you reckon? Yeah definitely um, I think we'll kind of touch on it in the City game as well but he seems to have that more kind of role on the on the, the wing and he seems to actually contribute a lot with assists um, in the game against Villa he kind of uh, ghosted into the penalty box and got his head really well um, I think again when he played in a similar position or just behind a striker in the Luton game in between New Year's and Christmas and did very well in that game as well. So I definitely feel like there's a role to play for him. Like you said, I feel like um, if I was to pick a player to see more of between this, um, now and the end of the season, it would definitely be a Jackson over a Madrick, 100%. So um, I think that's worked for how long, I'm not sure. And also it kind of leaves a bit of a question mark on how Nkuku fits into this team now, um, whether he's going to start games, whether he's going to feature as a striker, as a kind of holding, as a sit behind the striker or kind of play support to the striker. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now, I think I want to kind of change that offensive trio of um, Jackson, uh, Palmer, and possibly Sterling after his performance against City. Yeah, it's one. It's one thing I, I think I've, I've said on here. I know, I know you've said it as well. Is that consistency, uh, understanding what is our best eleven, and we have to say we're almost close to getting there now. I think when we mm-hmm. talk about the players that we still have out, you know, are they going to walk into this team? Possibly not. Maybe we need to see what Lavia can do. Obviously, Reese James has got to come back at some point, but. Apart from that, you see some of these players now. You would expect your core eleven, you know, your spine of the team, albeit with with the exclusion of what we would say is our our natural goal scorer that we don't really have, is our team now. So I think we have to stick with what we have. For me personally, Nicholas Jackson's played really well on that left. 
you know, uh, Cole Palmer's fitted in and slotted in around the attacking role sometimes on the left or the right or, you know, just as a as a 10. But he seems to be able to play the striker role as well. I have to take I have to take a lot of things I said about Conor Gallagher back because I know last season I was heavily critical of him and said, you know, I dubbed him the bull in the China shop, but like you just said, you know, 13 kilometers in one game. I think you ran I think you ran twelve against City as well. Something again ridiculous in in the you know, back to back games in the space of a week. Um Conor Gallagher's been our best player this season. Even going back to last season, you know, we have to credit him for it. And part of me thinks is he playing for a move away because he knows that there's a, an intention for the for the board, maybe not so the manager, but the board want to try and sell him in the summer for FFP reasons. Is he playing for a move away? Does he want to you know, move to a bigger club? Me personally, I hope that isn't the case. But do you think that is something in the back of his mind? He's thinking if I do go, you know, if they do have no option to sell me in the summer, I have to put myself in the best position to go to another top club. I'm always a bit sceptical now with these answers because I would have said the same about Mount last season. He was he was a boyhood Chelsea fan. Um, he was a, came from the academy. He had a year left on his contract, and probably I was kind of thinking to myself, he's definitely going to sign a new contract. Um, and now we've got Gallagher in a similar situation, whereas the club is more hinting towards selling him, given that he's a sellable asset and we need to raise money for FFP reasons. That being said, I feel like the energy, the leadership the discipline I've seen from Gallagher this season um, makes me think that he's here to stay and he wants to stay and that's his number one priority. Of course, as a footballer, nothing's guaranteed or nothing's certain so there's still a chance that he he's told maybe come March, April, yeah, we're going to sell you come the summer but um, but right now he's just got to focus on his football. He's He's got a contract at Chelsea Football Club. His priority should be playing for the club, contributing with assists, goals and performances like we saw against Palace, Villa and even City on Saturday to help the club achieve their goals this season. Um, and I think I've seen that from him this season. So um, personally, I think there's a lot of other players I would look into selling um, before Gallagher. I think he should be bottom of that list in terms of the um, kind of homegrown academy players. There's players like Matson, Chalaba, Broja. Then you've got others like Ziyech, Lukaku and Kepa out on loan that I think we should consider selling ahead of um, Gallagher. But obviously, um, we know that we've spoken about it a lot of times that Bowley kind of considers the club as a business before anything. So whether a player's playing well or not, he might want to sell him. Um, but it would just be such a blow for us Chelsea fans. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I remember saying, I think if I go back to maybe, you know, pre our 100th episode, I think I said I'd want him gone. But, you know, you look at him now, like you said, he's matured as a player. He's definitely become one of the leaders in the team something that we've been lacking. We spoke about leadership and he shouldn't really fall on his shoulders, but he seems to have been able to pick that baton up and just run with it. And he's done really well. Just looking now as well, um, you know, I remember he was almost a, a banker to pick up a yellow card um, in most games. And he, he hasn't, you know, he hasn't, he's been, he's been really, like you said, you know, very disciplined in terms of his performances and not picking up. I think he hasn't picked one up since the 27th of December, which I know isn't a long time, but uh, ironically against Crystal Palace. Um, last year so you know he's changed his game and you can see that he's one of those players that even when we lose possession of the ball you know he's he's at the other end he's at our end of the pitch trying to recover the ball whether it's him that's lost it or someone else you know he does his defensive duties but he's also good in attack now and I think you know he's adding goals to his game which is something that you know any player if they can do that is an asset to the team for, so for me personally he should be staying um, <laughs> it would worry me that we sell to another club especially in England as well um, if we sold him what damage he could do you know in an Arsenal or a Liverpool or a, you know another even a Tottenham you know Tottenham have been heavily linked with him so even a team like that what he could do in that team with certain players around him it'd be dangerous I think but also Gallagher himself because I remember last summer or even January last year he was linked to the likes of Everton I think West Ham yeah but given what he's proven this season, why would he want to go to an Everton who are fighting relegation? Surely his his level now is a team fighting for top four. So like you said, a Tottenham, a Newcastle, those are direct rivals to us. So it is kind of worrying. Um, and he's matured completely. Like you said, I remember um, beginning of last season, was it the third or fourth game of the season against Leicester at home at Stamford Bridge? And he got two yellows in the first half and he picked them up really quickly. And he just looked really rash. And at the time he, he wanted those labels of pull in a china shop. Whereas now, I'm sure he got those two yellows against Brighton uh, early December. Um, but I think it's, he's a different type of player. He's a lot more uh, mature, a lot more disciplined and one of those senior leader, uh, 
figures in the dressing room probably which is crazy to say uh, given his age and how long he's been at the club in terms in the in the, in the mix of the senior team but um but yeah definitely a player we need to do our best to keep our hands on yeah definitely 100% I agree um let's let's move over to Saturday's game against Manchester City I've got a question for you to start off with the start of the game or say Friday last Friday if someone has said to you a 1-1 result that Eddie had against Manchester City, would you take it or would you have said, you know, I want three points? I would, I would have taken it 100%. Yeah, um, yeah. I think I'm, I'm messaging my prediction but on Saturday morning and I said 3-1 City. Yeah. Um, and I think you said something similar, in fact. Um, so I did change it then. I did change it. <laughs> did, yeah. I think you, you said, I, think you, I remember this, you said 4-0 City and then you changed it right before kickoff saying I'm actually quietly confident, yeah. I think. Yeah. And you're, you're right to be because it was a, a very good Chelsea performance and I'm happy of a draw um, to think we've gotten two points against City this season and we haven't lost to, um, against them whereas other teams have really struggled um, going into the Etihad. Um, I think it was a really positive performance um, especially in that first half when you think right before the Sterling goal the chances, the clear-cut chances, which you really lack this season for Sterling and Jackson. Um, and then the two uh, redeemed themselves um, and combined for that sec- um, first goal, the opener for Raheem Sterling, which was a really good finish. The way he kind of takes that touch to almost fool Carl Walker, get past them, and then slot it past Edison, um, curling it in. It was a really good finish. Um, and even in the second half, um, Shaw Harlan struggled on a day. I think we are kind of lucky that he struggled. He missed some big, big chances. Um, Lidl Colwell was absolutely fantastic up until that moment where he let Haaland have that header, which um, luckily he put it over the crossbar. Um, but no, definitely I'm really, really happy of a point. Um, just really annoyed as well that it kind of helps Liverpool and Arsenal. That's the one part that kind of pisses me off. Yeah, definitely. It's, um, yeah, I mean, I was happy with the, the performance. I mean, we can't lie. That's, that's, it's never an easy ground to go to the Etihad or to play Manchester City. It's always... It's always difficult because you you just know what you're up against. But I think one of the things, and they they sort of picked this up, I think, um, within like post-match and some of the analysis that I watched afterwards was around, you have to take the game to City. You have to attack them. If you don't attack Mm. them or you sit back and you invite pressure, it's going to be a cricket score. It could be five, six, seven nil if you're not careful. So I think we had to, we had to attack them and we did, you know, we done that. I thought throughout the game, um, I thought Nicholas Jackson was good. Again, um, sort of playing through the centre and then sometimes playing on the left, and it, it worked well. Um, he should have scored his chance. Though. I mean, that first half mm-hmm. chance, he should have taken that. Maybe you lift it over Edison or you take it round him. But it, again, I'm you know I'm not going to heavily heavily criticise him because I think he overall he played well. And the link up, like you said, with Sterling was brilliant. Um, I want to I want to give a credit out a, a shout out to, to uh, Malagusto because I think he mm-hmm. done very very well to keep uh, Jeremy Doku quiet throughout that game not just him but if you notice as well Kaiseido was doing a lot of a lot of defensive duties um, you know occupying space that Alvarez was trying to run into um, whenever and it, it limited what Nathan Ake could do with Doku down that left side as well because whenever the ball was passed to Doku Gusto had one job and one job only and that was to nullify any opportunity for, for Doku to, to even get a ball into the box and that's where Kaiseido was very vital in that role of filling that space that Alvarez was trying to run into. So it works really well. Um, and like you said, Haaland as well. I mean, he could have had four goals. Let's be honest. He could have had four clean cut chances, but I was impressed. I was impressed. I want to ask you about the substitutions in the second half because I it kind of had a bit, well, mixed emotion, I think, throughout social media over the weekend. But do you feel that we went, and I think I said this, but do you think we went too defensively in terms of parking the bus, so to speak, too early in that game because it kind of then like as, as I said you know if you don't attack City and you try and defend you just invite so much pressure and it is a lapse in concentration I think from Cowell, um for, for, for the goal from Rodri but or uh, well it, say it's lapse of concentration from Cowell, but it was a it was a, a goal that could have been avoided I think is what I'm saying um, did we do that too early in the game do you reckon? Possibly I mean when you're winning 1-0 and you're defending really well you don't want to change things or sh- um mix things up too much. Um, I think the substitution did make sense, possibly. Um, I think a fair few players picked up yellows. Uh, Caicedo being one of them. I think it was Sterling, another, and they might have been another player. Um, So I think we brought on, was it Nkuku, Chalaba and Cassidy? Yeah. And I felt like it was a minute or two after we brought on Cassidy, they'd scored. So maybe we're kind of struggling a bit with formation or understanding 
um, kind of how to play. Um, big risk as well bringing Chalobah. I think that's his first minute of a couple of minutes of competitive football since end of last season. Um, very surprising even to still see him in a Chelsea shirt, if I'm honest. Um, unlucky with the deflection for the goal that took it in, but I think he did really well with another one at one point where he, uh, I think he blocks it and he puts it out for a corner. Um, but yeah, maybe substitutions um, kind of meant we were trying to park the bus a bit too early. And as well, I don't think we have the quality and depth in the squad to park the bus, if I'm completely honest. Um, we don't have, a, back in the day, we'd bring on a David Luiz, a John Terry even when he was um, kind of at back end of 2012. Um, that Gary Cahill, these type of players that are experienced and know how to kind of create that, um, that spine and uh, see the game out. But I don't think we have that quality anymore. So um, we need to kind of maybe learn to um, to to deal with the pressure with the players we've got on the pitch. But as well, 1-0 at City, you probably expect us to try to be content with that and try to defend that lead. But if I'm completely honest, it felt like the goal was going to happen, whether it be in the start of the game, 60th minute, 90th minute, it was coming. So yeah, yeah. not much we could have, I feel. Yeah, it was tough because I think when you look back on it, I think, you know, even if you I haven't watched it yet, I'll probably do it today later on. But if you watch the game back, we should have easily won that game. Easily. I think you look back to the Nicholas Jackson chance. Uh, I think Sterling had a really good chance, I think, in the second half as well. Good save from Edison, to be fair. But, you know, we had our chances and obviously we got the goal. So there's three chances, but you say that and Haaland has four chances. You know, City were just breaking us down bit by bit throughout that second half. But I think I think you're right about the, the, the options that I think Potticino had from the bench as well. You look at our bench, you know, Chalabar who hasn't featured, it kind of tells you it was a last this last ditch desperation substitution, a little bit from Potticino because, you know, ideally you'd probably want Silva to come in, in that situation or, you know, Baddy Shield to come in and just see the game out. You know, I remember back in the day, like so, you know, John Obi Mikel used to sometimes come on and just slot into that role. And he'd do it really well. And then you'd see the game out with him. We don't have that. You know, we brought on, I think when City, the problem was when City scored, we didn't have anything going forward, really. We just had, I think, Nkunku, I think at the time, um, Palmer would come off by then, I think, or just after, I think he'd come off. Um, trying to think who else came off then as well. Nicholas Jackson came off as the third sub, didn't he? So going forward, the latter start parts of that game, we didn't have anyone to, to kind of score for us. We didn't have anything going forward. And, Going to that five at the back, I think kind of maybe threw the team off a little bit, but it's City, you know, and I think City were always, like you said, always going to attempt to score and they were going to get a goal at some point, whether it was in the first minute or the, you know, the last kick of the game, that goal was going to come. But it's annoying because it doesn't move us anywhere in the league, which a win would have, I think would have took us maybe eighth, I think in the league, but it just feels a bit, a bit disheartening. I think maybe my own personal perspective, but it feels disheartening that we're still 10th. We put in a really good performance against Palace in the second half. We put in a really good 90 minutes plus against City. We haven't budged in the league. Um, do you still have any well, optimism? I was going to say expectation, but optimism about us trying to get into that sort of, I don't, know, I don't want to call it a top eight, top seven, but into those kind of conference league spots in the, in the league this season. Yeah, and we kind of spoke about it. Also, the League Cup final is a gateway to the yeah. Conference League, I think. But if I'm completely honest, I've stopped looking at the table. I take one game at a time. <laughs> um, I try to just focus on the performances and what I kind of see during the 90 minutes and then slowly try to see, okay, if we won two or three games, then hopefully there's a bit of momentum. But we haven't had that momentum. We saw, I think, back end of December when we beat Sheffield, um, Luton, Palace, and I think Fulham four in a row. But since then, we kind of struggled in January. We lost to Wolves. Um, I think we drew another game. But um, but yeah, I think it's all about that momentum now. We've got a big, big game on Sunday. Debatable whether it's the most important of the game of the season. I think it is um, simply how young this squad is and how being in a final at Wembley will be very valuable to them. And also it may allow Pochettino to stay longer in the job should he get a result and uh, a bit of silverware. Um, so yeah, I think from a performance perspective, it's a big confidence boost. Um, but from a kind of point tally, we're still 10th, we're still rooted to 10th. I think we've got the likes of, is it Wolves, Fulham and other teams breathing down our next. Yeah. So um, so yeah, I think we should more focus on our games rather than the teams ahead of us in the table right now. Mm, yeah, I always go back to that Wolves game though. Um, I think I'd been mm. on that, you know, we'd be, yeah, we'd be talking about, you know, well, obviously bright and fresh, um, 
Sheffield United yesterday, but we would have been eighth, you know, would have been eighth going into that game. So it's still things like that. I think, you know, those kind of games where we possibly expect to win, we have to start doing better in those games. You know, the Wolves games where we, you know, we're getting hammered just isn't good enough. So I think we need to, for me, I agree with you, you know, I don't, I don't see us pushing anywhere up the table, but a game by game, I want to see some improvement and progression. And you put out a tweet at the weekend, you know, three games now unbeaten. Um, so it's definitely something I think we need to be a bit more, um, we just need to keep going and stepping on it. As you said about the final, big, big game coming up, which we'll talk about. But before we move on, I want to talk about Axel Dezazi, who for me, man of the match performance, um, celebrating corners, celebrating clearances, <laughs> celebrating everything that was coming towards him. Um, it felt like a leader at the back again. Um, someone who's able, I mean, I was very reserved about it when we got him. I was sort of, was unsure whether he was going to fit into the team, whether he was good enough, but it feels like he's, he's slowly convincing me anyway, that he's putting in some really good performances and someone that we can possibly trust going forward with the imminent possible departure of uh, Thiago Silva. But how, how do you rate Dezazi so far, especially over the last couple of games? Do you see there's a bit more consistency coming in from him, from his games? Yeah, he's growing on me. He really is growing on me. And like you said, um, kind of a signing we made in the summer, I, I felt almost like a panic buy after Wesley Fana got injured. We panicked and we needed another centre-back. It seems like we've got a good um, build or rapport with Monaco after signing Badger Shield. And so um, I think we'll, Zakaria went on loan there probably. Um, so yeah, I felt like... I, I, I didn't know much about the player and he scored in his debut against Liverpool, but from a defensive perspective after that, it was a bit shaky at times. Um, I think some of his, some of his um, poor positionings has led to goals throughout the season. We've got to remember as well, he's 25. And I feel like a lot of the players we signed, the Badger Shields, the Mudricks, the Andre Santoses, the Cassidays, these are, we're talking about 19, 20-year-olds that aren't ready. But at 25... You are ready. Let's be honest. In today's football world, some of the 25-year-olds we talk about, the Jean Felixes, the Mbappes, the even Bellingham, who's only 21, but we're talking about players that are world-class. Um, so I think at 25, you've got no excuse. You are ready. And, um, so I think he's slowly starting to show signs of being a more kind of senior figure, being more of a leader. We saw his celebrations against Palace when he kind of um, almost WWE style throws himself into the crowd to celebrate the the Gallagher winner. Um, and then against City, that was his best performance in a Chelsea shirt. Like you said, he was celebrating corners, he was celebrating blocks, he was celebrating everything. And um, definitely a worthy man of the match performance. But I keep using this word throughout all our recordings, but it's about the consistency now. It's all good to do that one game, but you've got to do it throughout the season on a consistent level. And that's why I don't think players like Badger Shield have the potential because he's made a series of mistakes now. He's in and out of the team, but if this has, he just puts in another performance like he did against City at the Etihad on Saturday in the League Cup final against Liverpool. And then in the other big games we've got coming up, I think it's Brentford, Tottenham and these games, then that's when you start to think, all right, this player can make it. He's He's got what it takes. He's got the ability. He's got the passion. He's got the quality in him. But yeah, a very reassuring and promising performance, but we just need to see more of it now. Yeah, definitely. And we need we need someone who's going to be able to to lead that line at the back. You know, we don't know who that's going to be, whether that's going to be a new centre back that comes in with a bit more experience, um, or or one of the players that we've got at the moment. You know, you talk about you know Thiago Silva who might leave, potentially will leave at the end of the summer. Someone has to come in and be the vocal controlling centre back that we've got. You know, Trevor Chalaba could be on his way out as well. So we need someone that's going to be able to step up and do it consistently. I I I don't want to jump the gun, but I do feel like it could be him. You know, the signs that I'm seeing from him out of all the defenders that we've signed currently, um, taking away Melangsar, who I think is still at the club, but, you know, the Badia Shields, Wesley Fofana and uh, Dezazi, I look at him and I see a bit more about him. And I, I do think he's a good age. I think, you know, 25, you know, 26, he has to be at the age where he can, he can take, you know, control of this team and do really well. Um, yeah, so, 20, uh, 26 I think he's turning 26 in a few weeks actually yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so he's got he's got he's got to do well he really has um, it's got to be a top performance from them and if he if he well from him consistently before we can really assess him but he's doing well so far we've got to hope he keeps that up but I want to move over to before we move over to the the best part of the podcast talk about the League Cup final uh, our early thoughts about that I want to talk about Lewis Hall who um, is still obviously 
loaned out with a thing with the obligation for Newcastle to buy him at the end of this loan deal that ends in the summer. Uh, I think Newcastle finished the game at the weekend 2-2, I think from, or was it 2-2 or 2-1? Did they lose? I can't remember. I think it was 2-2 at Bournemouth, if I'm not mistaken. I think think you might be right. Um, Hasn't got much game time. Hasn't been playing at all really for, for, uh, for, for Newcastle. Um, if there's an option, which I've, we've heard obviously the, the, the stories that broke just before Christmas around, you know, the loan deal was based on where Newcastle finished based on their performances in terms of, you know, can they get back into the Champions League? And um, I think it's not based on how many appearances it actually makes for the club. But if there is an option for us to return or for Newcastle to return Lewis Hall to us, is that something you would take? Or is it something that we just need to put to bed now? He's going to be a Newcastle player in the summer. Um, it's not our problem that he's not playing. I think maybe given how the loan planned out last summer and how we, I think there's a there's a buy op, a buy option um, in there, and he kind of came out and said he's a he's a he's a boyhood Newcastle fan. Financially, I think we plan to sell him um, next summer, and I think that won't change. I'd be very surprised if he features again for Chelsea because we've got players like Chilwell now. I think we spent too much money on Cucurella to consider selling him. Um, and I think we've got Matson. It's still whether to be seen at Dortmund by him permanently. Um, but then I think we should also learn from number six. And even if when we had three centre backs at the start of the centre backs left backs at the start of the summer, um, at times we found ourselves with none of them being fit, or two of them um, injured and one um, out of favour. So I think Pochino might want to reassess him in the in in the summer. Should he come back for preseason? But also we talk a lot about sellable assets and he's a big sellable asset, whether it's not Newcastle, there might be another team that's interested, whether that be Everton, uh, one of the promoted teams like a Southampton or a Leeds. Um, so yeah, I think we've got to think about that, but there is a lot of quality there. And we saw it um, last season when we were, let's be honest, we were shit on the pitch and he was one of the silver linings of our performances. I think big performance that Yeti had at Old Trafford, which are tough stadiums to go to. So yeah, I I'm still expecting us to sell him, but I'd like to see him play a part again for Chelsea. Yeah, I think, I mean, I I didn't get to see many games that he played for us, um, but when he did, he, you know, he put in a good performance and he, you know, I think he was one of those players that loved to get forward. I think back to those cup games against City and he had really good chances in those games when he got to play in them. Uh, he saw that for me, I, I just can't understand why Newcastle, I think, they are struggling defensively, I think, at the moment with a couple of injuries as well. I know Tino Livramentos, who is technically a right back, has been playing left back for them as well, uh, as much as he can play there. But it just seems now that he's fell down the pecking order at Newcastle. Since his story broke as well um, last year, it's almost like Eddie Howe's taking him out of the team, exiled him from the squad. And, you know, it just doesn't seem, for me, it just seems a bit strange that that's all happening. Um, I'd love to see him back at Chelsea, but I do agree with you. I think, you know, the fact that he would be, I think, deemed as pure profit as well if we can sell him um, as an asset, which the club will see him as. I, I think his last Chelsea days are mm-hmm. done. And like you say, he's a, he's a Newcastle fan, so I think he'd probably want that move to actually go through anyway. They could then maybe load him out to somewhere else to get him some more development time elsewhere. But I think for us, it'd be, it'd be a shame it'd be a shame for him to, to sort of dwindle down and not, you know, he's got a lot of quality. So just maybe from a, a Chelsea yeah. perspective, I think he'd be really good at another club if it's not Newcastle. I think he's got a lot of potential. Definitely. I think I just read before recording our this um, this episode that they've they've recorded uh, Joe White, who I think is another left back from his loan at Crew Alexandra, and he's ahead of him in the pecking order. Uh, I think he made an appearance against um whether they played Bournemouth the other day ahead of Lewis Hall. And it could be I, I know that Newcastle are struggling as well with FFP restrictions. They're kind of considering selling Gimaresh, Joe Linton, Almiron, these type of players. And the last thing they want is to spend 35 million on a left back, um, potentially. So they might want to assess the options and their homegrown talent ahead of another team's uh, player who's on loan and could see the move made permanent um, in the summer. Yeah. And they seem to be doing it the correct way. Not that we aren't, but I mean, in terms of trying to restrict, uh, to, to meet the restrictions of FFP, they seem to be doing it the right way at Newcastle. So that could be another good point. You know, 35 million for a 19 year old, which I think Lewis Hall is at the moment. Um, it's a lot of money. You know, I don't think anyone would buy him to fit into a, a first team anyway. I don't think he'd be playing regular football week in, week out, but I think he should be playing a lot more than he is at the moment. But one to be uh, one to be seen, one to keep an eye on, I think. Um, 
Chelsea fans, let us know, would you like to Lewis Hall back at uh, Chelsea after his Newcastle loan? Uh, let us know your thoughts in the comments about that one. Should be an uh, interesting topic of discussion. Let's talk about next Sunday, or this Sunday, it's Monday, keep forgetting. Um, let's talk about the cup final, Wembley, this Sunday. I think they've moved the, the time, haven't they, uh, slightly forward uh, to, for, for an earlier kickoff time now. But I'm going to say, actually, this is a big game. This is, um, you said it, I think you asked me two weeks ago, is this the, is this the biggest game of our season? I think I, I said, possibly because of the stepping stones and it should be something we should be able to build on. This is our biggest game of the season. It has to, it has to go down as that. Um, what's your thoughts going into it early thoughts? Because obviously there'll be a week of, I think Liverpool have got to play again. I think they've got Luton this week as well. Um, they've already picked up a lot of injuries from what we're hearing. You know, they lost to Jota, which like a really bad injury at the weekend. Slobber slides out. Coach Jones came off injured. Uh, Trent's out, I think for that as well. Allison's a, a question mark. Salah's just come back. So, They've got their own injury crisis going on at Liverpool like we have. But what's your early thoughts going into this? Um, the fact we don't play for another week now. Is that more pressure on Liverpool to to try and get some of these players back? It's funny how a lot of people talk about Liverpool now having an injury crisis. But we've had one all season and no one's <laughs> yeah. said a word about that. Yeah. It's typical. Um, <laughs> but no, I definitely feel slightly more optimistic going into this fixture and this game and this final Um compared to how I felt maybe a couple of weeks ago, especially after that Wolves defeat. Um, unbeaten in the last three, three tough away games at Palace, Villa and um, yeah, uh, City. And like you mentioned, all those players that Liverpool um, have injured, crucial players, arguably first starters. Sure, they have the depth in their, in their team to replace them. The likes of Connor Bradley, who I think is a fantastic player. Yeah. The likes of McAllister, even their, their um, substitute goalkeeper, Kelleher, very good goalkeeper as well. So they've got the depth and the quality. Um, I always say if we want to win these trophies, we've got to be at our best and beat the best. Um, I think it's going to be a big, big test. I think in the review of the Liverpool game, you asked me, what do we have to do to beat Liverpool in the final after losing 4-1 to them? We've got to just learn from our mistakes in that game. Uh, we've got to play, play our football. Um, and also, I think, like you mentioned, now we're slowly starting to find a spine of the team, the best 11 we can field. So I wouldn't tinker too much of the squad. I think it's kind of working very well. We're very fortunate to have a midweek fixture and we can focus on the final from now. Hopefully we won't pick up any more injuries. Hopefully the players like um, um, Thiago Silva will be fit. If he plays a pass, it's still to be seen. Um, players like Robert Sanchez, even you know, if he goes to penalty shootout, you might want to have both, keep, both goalkeepers ready. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a tough game. I'm slightly more optimistic. Um, but I'm still expecting another one of those kind of Liverpool games where I leave Wembley, I head back to a Wembley tube station in a really pissed off mood, probably lost the penalties <laughs> or the was Klopp. Um, so yeah, I'm really expecting that. Um, so I'm almost that mentality, hoping for the best, expecting the worst. Um, but yeah, definitely more optimistic though. Yeah, I mean, you, you haven't had the best records. Your uh, Wembley no. <laughs> final visits have you over the last couple of years, but to say all that to say this, I think you know with finals it's anyone's, you know, and I think when you want who wants it more on a, on a day, um, we've played Liverpool. I think two years ago was it, or, or just over two years ago, where we we lost two finals, League Cup, FA Cup final, to them both on penalties as well. We have to remember as well we scored that goal that was disallowed that should not have been disallowed as well uh, from the man who shall not be named, and. Um, I'm go. I'm like you, you know. I think after that City performance, and I know you can't really just base it on two games, but after those two performances, especially the Palace second half, the City game on Saturday, I do go into this game with a bit more expectation. I think the pressure, rightfully, is on Liverpool because they are expected to beat us. Um, that's just what people, if you know, you ask anyone, even not even in Liverpool, just you know, a non-Chelsea fan, a non-Liverpool fan, they probably put their money on Liverpool just because of how they are you know like you said they've got a bit more of a squad squad depth as well um but i think we've got i think we've, we've, we've we're slowly building a bit of momentum and a bit of consistency at the right time in this squad i know we had that massive blip against wolves but you know i'm i'm, I'm confident you know and i think if we can a, a question i've got to ask you in a minute actually but i'm confident we can we can win that game providing as you said we don't tweak the squad too much mm-hmm. but the question i have for you i mean i've I look back to that City performance and I look at our defence and I was really happy with it. Obviously, the missing person was Thiago Silva in that defence on Saturday. 
you mentioned it before. Is this some? Is this a game where you would probably bring him back in, or do you leave Thiago Silva as an option to see the game out if we're one nil up, two nil up? Is that is that really the time? In my opinion, it would be to bring on Thiago Silva, or do you start him from the start because you know you need a bit of experience in a big game, which you just said, and I probably said as well. Or we both think is our, our our biggest game of the season so far. I think most likely the latter. If he's injured currently and he missed the game at the Etihad, it means he's not fit and he's still nursing an injury. So it'll be a race against the clock to see if he's fit enough to even make the matchday squad on Saturday. Um, but I wouldn't tinker with what works so well at the Etihad. And that's the um, centre-back partnership of Colwell and De Sassi. If we've got the option of Silva on the bench, I think that would be a blessing to have him come on and see the game out if we're 1-0 up or if you want to take it to extra time. Um but yeah, I don't think maybe starting from the start and something I'm starting to see is a bit more in recent performances when Silva has played, especially in that first half against Palace, is he does slow the game down slightly. Yeah. Even though he's a fantastic player and he, I still think he's probably one of the best players we've signed in the last five, six years. Um, he's he's so experienced and he's so calm and composed on the board that he does slow the game down slightly and there's times when we want a bit of urgency, we want to create something. Instead of finding that forward pass, you'll pass it to the other centre-back. Um, but yeah, I, I still think he's got a part to play on Saturday, but he'd most likely be off the bench. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think even if he was fully fit, I'd probably start him as a as a sub. And I think we have to, and I've been saying this for nearly two years now, and I still can't believe I'm saying it, but I think we have to start thinking about life after Thiago Silva phasing him out of the team. As much as he's still you know, got it, he's still a quality centre-back. He's probably still a world-class centre-back. I think we have to start thinking about life afterwards without him being at the club. And I think we have to integrate a, a bet or a, just as good as a partnership that we've had with Silver and whoever he's played alongside. We have to get something like that with whether it's Coel, Dezazi, Dezazi, Badi, Shil, Coel, like whoever it is for Farno when he comes back eventually. We've got to start thinking ahead of that for next season. And, and in hindsight, I know if we lose like 2 0 or 2 1. And Silva's been sat on the bench. I probably am going to say we should have risked him because he's on the bench. You know, the motto already mm. is if he's if he's fit enough to be on the bench, he's fit enough to start the game. But I just think, I can't remember if it was the FA Cup or the, the League Cup, but there was one game, the final, if you remember, and he, he, he injured himself. Do you remember? And he took like a tablet and he carried on. Was that the, that was the FA yeah. Cup? Yeah. I think it was one of those two, either the League Cup final or the FA Cup against Liverpool. Yeah. I remember that. And I yeah. think, so he scored a penalty in one of the two. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. The lead, the lead cup one, yeah. So he can, what he can, what I'm saying all that because he can, he, he's a warrior, he'll play for it. I think if he's injured, I think he, I don't think he'll want to miss this game. You know, this is probably his last opportunity of, of real silverware at Chelsea. Um, last, maybe walk out at Wembley. So it's a big thing for him on a personal level. I think he'll, he won't want to miss it, but I think for the, the sake of the team and, and what he's hopefully going to be able to do, should we be 1-0 or 2-1 up, whatever it is, his role on that day could literally just be to see the game out. And I think we, you know, we, mm. we, we might need him to do that. So, um, He'll be like a second manager on a touchline, like in Porto, yeah. should he be on the bench? <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, thinking forward, I mean, and Kunku hasn't really played as much as I would have liked him to have played over the last two or three games. I thought, you know, he would have probably got a bit more game time, potentially even start against, um, I think I had him in my my uh, predicted lineup on Saturday. But do you go with, do you stick with that? I mean, you said it kind of at the start of this, so I probably know the answer, but do you stick with what you know has worked for you against City, against, uh, you know, Aston Villa, against Crystal Palace with that sort of front three of Jackson, um, maybe Sterling or Madweki and then obviously Palmer, Gallagher. Do you stick with that or do you, do you go with someone who you want to try and get you the goals on, on Sunday? Do you reckon that's something we need to look at? Um, you know, I'm thinking now, you know, Kelleher coming out, Jackson's on a 1v1 and he just literally... You know, gives him the ball almost. You know, is that something that you you think and conclude either dink it over the goalkeeper, or use a bit of football wit and and put it around and around the goalkeeper? Do, do you change that? Yeah, I, I I'd stick with the same formation and lineup that played against um City, but you you did say, well, I'd much rather back and Cuckoo in a one on one with Kelleher than Jackson. But then in that situation, you're kind of hoping maybe a, a Cole Palmer or someone like that finds himself in that situation instead. Yeah, and the link up play between Sterling. Palmer and Jackson's look really well and then hopefully now we've also got the midfielders contributing with goals um, 
a good option to have on the bench, and I would expect him to at least play um, 35 to 45 minutes, uh, to 40 minutes. I'm still on the fence. I'm going to come back to you on Friday with that one. Um, I, I just don't know. Uh, part of me, like 70% of me saying start him because we need a good start against Liverpool. That's a given. We can't, we can't go in at nil-nil half-time or it's getting to the 70th minutes nil-nil. We need goals in that first half, I think, to quiet down the fans, to rattle the players, to to rattle Jurgen Klopp. We have to we have to be able to hit the ground running in that game. And I Jackson might surprise me and get a hat trick, you never know. But um I'm sure we'll have a more in-depth interview interview with you <laughs> at the game. Um closest to the game on Friday as well. Um we won't do predictions yet because I think obviously Liverpool have got their game. I think they play on Wednesday and they got Luton, which which will be a tough game for them. You know, look how they yeah. played against um, United yesterday. It'll be a tough. The game. Giants players, like I call them, Luton. Yeah, no, they are. I think they uh, they'll give Liverpool a good game. Um, but we can't even think about that. We just literally have to think about this week now. Prepare, hopefully, get some of these players back. You know, Carney Chukwemeka, I think, picked up a slight injury as well. Someone that maybe might be on the bench on Sunday as well. So we have to see what comes of the week ahead. But it's um it's a big week. We have to we, we have to call it like it is. It's a big week and it is a big game. Definitely, yeah. I've got my tickets. They arrived in the post um on Friday. Um so looking forward to it. Um definitely will be some match day contents on um on the socials from that game. But yeah, like you said, I'm sure we'll talk about it in a bit more detail on Friday when we get more of an idea of who's fit, not fit, and also after Liverpool's game against Luton. Yeah. Definitely, hundred percent, and uh, and I'm pretty sure there's still tickets available. I'm pre- almost certain. Um, this morning, I'm pretty sure. I did, uh, maybe I read the tweet wrong, but I'm pretty sure there's there's still tickets available. So if anyone's after one, I think now would be your best time to try and get one. Yeah, it should be a good game. Like I always say, like a day out at Wembley is always an experience. So if you're you're still reluctant to kind of see Chelsea play Liverpool in the final because you're unsure about the result, match day experience at Wembley just can't be topped. Yeah. I was going to say, they could be sat next to you as well. So it could be even more of a <laughs> as well. But um, oh, you, yeah. you'll hear my very foul mouth if you're sat next to me. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that at all. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, you know, looking forward to it. Obviously, it's a busy week um, for, for many clubs, unfortunately. Well, say unfortunately. Fortunately for us, it's not. You know, we've got a good good week to prepare now for the final. No distractions as well. No games to think about midweek. So, you know, good, good for us. But um, let us know your thoughts. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Um, like this video share it with your friends or the rest of it as well so we appreciate anyone that's already doing that Theo as always thank you very much pleasure as always don't forget the link tree link is there in the description and also um, the bridge film social account as we discussed at the start of the podcast that will be in the description as well so give them a follow and uh, keep an eye out for the full featured documentary hopefully very soon we'll be back on Friday another podcast episode thank you very much for watching until then enjoy the rest of your week and let's hope we win against liverpool in the carabao cup final